The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. What's up, everybody? I am Raymond Summerlin, your host for this edition of the Roto World Football Podcast, and I will be joined today, as I am every single Thursday, by Rich Rebar to discuss the Thursday night game, as well as the most interesting data points from his weekly worksheet column, as well as Nick Minzio, who has all the most important starts and sits for week six of the fantasy football season. Before we get to all of that, however, I would like to remind you to rate and review the podcast wherever you find it. It helps other people find the show. It helps us in the rankings, and we very, very much appreciate it. With that out of the way, what's going on, Rich? What's going on, Ray? You know, here we are, man. Week six already. It's kind of starting to move by. We're kind of really, really now entrenched in bye weeks now, too. We didn't have an injury-riddled week last week, so everything's not as crazy. I know you appreciate that, doing the waiver wire column. There was one <laughs> really important injury, though. True. So, I mean, uh, you know, at least it wasn't as carnage filled, you know, as it was yeah. the, the previous week. But uh, yeah, man, here we are. And, you know, we've got another d- good game on paper front Thursday night as well. Yeah, it's always a it's always a good time to make fun of the Thursday night slate. You know, it's become a Twitter pastime for everybody. But this is the second you know, good game in a row. The Panthers are hosting the Eagles. And, and let's, I guess, start with the Eagles first, the road team. H- how do you see this game playing out for their offense? You know, LeGarrette Blunt has been been getting a lot of long runs lately. Carson Wentz has been throwing. This is kind of a tougher matchup maybe than what they've seen. So so how do you see this playing out for the Eagles? I mean, the Eagles have run the ball really well, you know, continuously throughout the year now, at least the last, you know, the last month, maybe week one, they didn't run it that great. Uh, you know, and Blunt was a guy, you know, week two, it looked like, I think Blunt only played one snap or got one touch in week two. And like they were and talking zero carries, zero carries in week two, Yeah, 12 th- in every other game this year and zero in week two. And they had talked about, you know, phasing him out and he's kind of got going here, you know, the past few weeks. I mean, that run he had against the Chargers two weeks ago uh, was incredible where he stiff armed the dude and then got him, he stiff armed him again, 20, 20 yards later into the, <laughs> into the ground. Uh, that Chargers safety was, that was great. But I mean, this is a tough spot for him. I mean, Carolina hasn't allowed any guy to hit 60 yards rushing on the season yet. So, I mean, they've been really stout against the run. Uh, no Lane Johnson uh, in this game either. He's going to be dealing with a concussion. The Eagles' splits were kind of really bad without Lane Johnson a year ago. I know that they've added a lot of weaponry you know, to, the, to their arsenal this year where it may not be as bad. But, I mean, short week on the road against the good defense. Uh, Carson Wentz is coming off of his first game where he threw more than two touchdowns uh, in a game last week. I mean, it's not a great spot for him. I think he's probably like a fringe QB1 type guy. I mean, I wouldn't completely run away from him, but it's not like a it's not a, an enticing spot either. I mean, the, the 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 player that's interesting here, I think, is is probably Alshon Jeffrey. He's had pretty, he's had really one of the roughest like schedules to start individual 
schedules for a wide receiver and hasn't really given fantasy owners a lot to be happy about. Uh, and James Bradbury is probably going to shadow him. He shadowed the last two weeks on the boundaries. But, I mean, James Bradbury, compared to what Alshon Jeffrey has faced so far, is a night and day different. Alshon is a guy that, that, that can contribute you know, to lineups, I feel like, this week for the first time, possibly since that Chiefs game. I agree completely about Jeffrey. I think that he's kind of in a you know, a bounce back spot here. His target share recently has been a big concern, but that's probably because of, you know, the matchups that he's been going up against. I think that, you know, Michael Thomas had a good game against Carolina. Pierre Garçon had a good game. I think that, you know, I think he's going to have a bounce back spot here. And then, you know, Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz is in, you play him every week kind of zone. This isn't a great matchup, but Rob Gronkowski put up 80 yards on four catches against this team. So it's not like this is a stay away matchup in any way. And inerts is just a much start. And for Blunt, I still think I'm, you know, you're playing Blunt. I, it is a tough matchup, like you said, but he's averaging 6.6 yards on his last 42 carries. Ever since he was benched in week two, he's been astounding. You know, Wendell Smallwood's not going to play again. I think that, I think that you're still starting Blunt. Going to Carolina, I mean, Cam Newton has made us all look Ooh. very, very stupid over the last two weeks, especially me. I was ready to throw in the towel after the Saints game. And since then, he's thrown for 671 yards and six touchdowns. So obviously, I'm dumb. And the Lions defense, you know, the Patriots matchup, whatever, that Lions defense had been playing well before that game. So in a great spot this week, I mean, Cam Newton, he's a must start, right? Yeah, you know, and, and like you said, Cam's done it with his with his arm. He's found his groove for fantasy with his arm the past two weeks. It's been QB2 and QB5. He's thrown for 300 yards in back-to-back games now for the first time since his first two career games. I mean, it's pretty pretty wild. Uh, you know, we, we thought if he was ever going to recover, it'd be, you know, kind of Cam getting using his legs again, getting you that little Konami bonus. Uh, but he's been just being a pocket passer, you know, the past two weeks and stacking yardage. And like you said, the Lions game on the road and against the Detroit team that had been good is promising. Now he's at home uh, against the Eagles team, you know, that has allowed, what, a top 12 scoring quarterback now in four straight games. So, I mean, that's that's all, all signs point to just being all ramped in, all systems go back with Cam. And if we're going to play Cam for his passing, I mean, we have to look at his receiving group now, which we thought was kind of, you know, lackluster and would be a reason that would be tough for him to bounce back the way he has. Uh, but, you know, Kelvin Benjamin now has been the wide receiver 22 or higher in his past three full games. Devin Funches has kind of bro- – he's been the latest player to kind of, you know, break that take lock uh, on a guy, you know, kind of crack the, the mold. He's found new life now that Greg Olson has been lost for the foreseeable future. Um, his targets per route have gone up every week of the season. He's the only receiver in the NFL that, that can say that. He's got 34 targets over his past four games. He's got four red zone targets over his past two games. And the one thing he's been able to do is find the end zone, and he's, he did that before this year on small opportunities. I mean, he now has 12 touchdown catches, which is tied for Amari Cooper for the most of that 2015 class, on just 78 career receptions, which is 15%, which is pretty wild. And then the Eagles, when you look at them, they're still allowing 207 receiving yards per game to opposing wide receiver units. It's 31st in the league. So, I mean, I think that both those guys, Benjamin and Funchess, are guys that you can continue to keep playing as well. Yeah, and I even... I'm even not giving up on Ed Dixon. I mean, obviously what he's been Uh-oh. doing, uh, that's, I know, hold on. What he's <laughs> been doing is the biggest fluke ever, right? He's averaging 29.6 <laughs> yards per catch the last two games, for sure. We're not going that. And one of those long catches last week, he was left wide open. But if you look at his other catches, you take that out of the equation, you look at his other catches. I mean, 
He's making plays down the seam. One of the long catches against Detroit, he got up the seam, took a hit from a safety, kept on running. They, they've been using him in that way. I, I don't think that this is completely completely a fluke. Now, this isn't a great matchup, and, and Philadelphia has traditionally been pretty good against tight ends, but if you're just going in and saying, well, I'm just going to avoid Dixon altogether, I don't I don't think that's a good idea. I think he's going to be kind of in that that streaming conversation all year. And lastly, I guess the running game. We have to talk about the running game. Jonathan Stewart you know, comes in, dominates the work last week. McCaffrey still had seven targets, so that's what you want to see from him. How are you valuing these guys moving forward? Pretty similarly as I have you know, from the outset. I mean, Jonathan Stewart, if he doesn't fall into the end zone, isn't going to help you out. His 7.4 points last week, that was the most he's had in a game since week one. Uh, I mean, the Eagles are another team that have been really good. You know, they're kind of a funnel defense. They 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 are really good against the run and, and funnel opportunity to passing game. They've allowed just one running back to go, go over 35 yards on the ground so far. I mean, the game's at home. Maybe he gets you in his zone, but he's not a guy I'm, I'm actively, you know, trying to get out in lineups unless I'm really hamstrung with injuries and bye weeks. Uh, this week, I mean, McCaffrey is, too, like I said, what he is. I mean, he's that PPR, RB2 you like. Uh, but he's been held to fewer than 50 yards from scrimmage now in three of his past four games. He had a season-low eight touches last week. I think the surprising thing for me with McCaffrey is I don't think I expected him to have like a large rushing workload, but I did expect him to be better in the running game than he's been. And, I mean, he's been pretty lousy. I mean, he's still under 100 rushing yards on the season. He's really struggled. Uh, you know, after that preseason when there was that big, you know, Twitter debate back and forth about whether he run inside the tackles or not, and he just really, he really hasn't uh, to start the season. Uh, I, I would, I hope that that is something that develops as the season goes on. But right now, he's basically just, you know, Carolina James White at this point, and it's basically what he is for fantasy, which is fine. I mean, you can keep, you can keep safely using him. Uh, but I mean, you're not going to get like a lot of large ceiling games out of that production. So, I mean, if you come in with that, that optimism, you're not expecting him to be like a tide turning weak winning type of running back. He's completely fine. Yeah. I said, I think I said exactly the same thing on the, on the Tuesday podcast, just our expectations. If you, your expectations were too high heading into the season, you just need to change them. And if you do, then and he's going to end up being fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hasn't had more than eight attempts since week one, and he had just three rushing attempts last week. That is a concern. I am worried about that, but but hopefully that turns around. All right, let's move on to your worksheet, which, as I've said every week, we'll continue to say every week, you should read it. Go and read it. Make sure you read it every week. Let's get started with Alex Smith, who has frankly been unbelievable this season, playing so well. But the road gets a little tougher this week with the Steelers coming to town. Are you still starting him in that matchup? Yeah, I am. I mean, look at Smith. He's, he, listen, we are five weeks into the NFL season, any NFL season. Alex Smith is the highest scoring fantasy QB. The Chiefs have the NFL's best and most exciting offense. I mean, we are here. 20, 2017, we are here. They've 164 points scored by the Chiefs are the most they've scored through five games since 2002, the second most they've scored in franchise history. They've scored on 54% of their possessions. That's the highest rate in the league. Smith was always kind of a guy that we've considered to have like a, a, a safe floor and a high floor, and he's now scored 15 or more points now in seven straight games dating back to last year. That's the longest streak in the league tied with Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. Uh, he's also exploiting his scoring opportunities to get to that ceiling. He is 16 to 22 passing, which is 73% with eight touchdowns and no interceptions in the red zone. All of last year, he was 30 of 64, 47% completion times with just 11 touchdowns in the red zone uh, the entire season. I mean, you look at the matchup, like you said, at home this week against the Steelers, who have had one of the league's best pass defenses to start the season. And I believe they are good because they were good last year as well. But the quintent of Blake Bortles, Deshaun Kaiser, Case Keenum, Mike Glenn, 
Lennon and Joe Flacco that they've played so far have combined for just four QB1 weeks on the year so far. Until I see someone really slow down this Chiefs passing game, uh, I mean, I'm just going to keep playing Alex Smith. Yeah, I agree. And one of the things that I love about him this week is that the rushing is back. He mm-hmm. did, or this year, he did have five touchdowns last year, which, I mean, that was always going to be unsustainable, but he ran for just 134 yards. He's already up to 108 this year in five games, had his big game a couple weeks ago. You know, if he's creating with his legs again, that's just, a you know, another positive in his column. Let's move on to another guy that, that I love. I'm hoping you like this week as well, and that's Alvin Kamara coming off a great performance in London. The the one question you would have had after that game, it shouldn't have been a question, uh, but you worried, did, were the Saints going to continue to try to use Adrian Peterson? That's out of the equation now that they've traded him to the Cardinals. Kamara is definitely at worst the 1B in this offense, and I'm guessing that you're happy to use him this week against the Lions. Yeah, and Kamara is interesting because, I mean, every, every, we now have the whole, the whole sample size of the summer, too. Every time he's basically touched the ball in a Saints uniform, he's, like, looked incredible almost every time he's touched the ball. And like you said, in London, he played a season-high 50% of the team snaps. He had a season-high 15 touches, uh, turning that into 96 yards from scrimmage. And in that game, Adrian Peterson played his lowest snap share. So, I mean, the writing was on the wall, and the Saints finally came to their senses for all of us, and the Cardinals to a degree. Uh, you know, and finally ended the Adrian Peterson – uh, in the Sean Payton offense experiment, you know, which kind of bodes well for Kamara locking down, you know, weekly RB2 spot in like PPR formats. We just got done talking about a guy like Christian McCaffrey. I mean, Kamara is a guy I'd probably be more excited to have than Christian McCaffrey at this point going forward rest of the season. I mean, he already has 18.4% of the New Orleans targets. That's the fourth highest rate for any running back in the league. That will probably rise a little bit, probably not crazy, but it's going to go up a little bit. Detroit's allowed the fourth most receptions to opposing running backs, the fifth most receiving yards to running backs. And he's going to be playing alongside Drew Brees coming off of a bye, who is typically torched in these spots. I mean, a lot of people are going to inflate Mark Ingram as well, but Ingram is basically playing the same snap share and seeing about the same touches he saw last year. So, I mean, I don't think it's a really huge development for him. It does help him, obviously. But, I mean, Kamara's the guy I think you should really be excited about. I think it's really as simple as Kamara's a very good player (laughs) who looks like he is guaranteed chances in a great offense at this point. And that's all you need to know about him. He was still out there in like 36% of leagues on, on Tuesday when I did my waiver wire, go and pick him up, please. And this is a pretty good matchup for him. You're certainly not scared of the lions linebackers and coverage, giving up the fourth most catches to running backs this season. It's, there's nothing not to like here. I'm, I'm all in on Alvin Kamara. You know, T Y Hilton was someone we came into the season worried about how, what he was going to be able to do while Andrew Luck was out traditionally hasn't been very good without luck in there. He's apparently figured out how to do that. He's posted another monster game last week against the 49ers has another great matchup again this week. He's he's in must start territory at this point, right? For this week, for sure. I mean, he's he's averaging now 12.6 yards per target. That's the highest of all wide receivers, at least 20 targets on the season. He's got he's accounted for 41% of the Colts receiving yardage, which is second behind Antonio Brown in terms of uh, you know, share for a wide receiver. Um, I mean, he's been he's still been up and down in totality for fantasy without Andrew Luck this year, and but at least we've had some spike weeks, and those weeks have been identifiable. I mean, he smashed in two spots uh, that we thought were easy going in so far. He had seven for one fifty three and one against the Browns, seven for one seventy seven last week versus the Forty ers and this week is another one of those identifiably good spots for him. You know, to get him into lineups. 
uh, against the Titans, who rank 30th in the league uh, in receptions allowed to receivers. They're tied for the league lead in touchdowns allowed to the position. They've allowed eight top 24 scores and five top 12 scores through five games. Uh, you know, Brissett's a guy that's not going to throw for a lot of touchdowns, but I mean, Hilton should be a guy that stacks opportunity and big time yardage, and people might forget about him being on that Monday night game. And even last week with Jay Cutler, you know, taking Smoking oh. Jay to a whole new level, just <laughs> awful, awful. Devontae Parker was out of the game, you know, right almost from the start. The Titans still allowed Jarvis Landry to find the end zone and have a pretty good fantasy day. So yes, this is a this is a situation you target. Finally. We have to talk about George Kittle, who exploded in the final game drive of regulation. In fact, that drive alone, I'm pretty sure, would have been his best game as a pro, and I think it wouldn't even have been close. He has a pretty good matchup this week against Washington. Are you going to take the leap? I mean, this is definitely going to feel a little bit like point chasing, and for good reason, like you said. I mean, he was targeted on 32% of his routes last week after just being targeted on 11% for the entire season. Um, like you said, many of those opportunities came in supreme jailbreak mode. He had five catches for 73 yards to score in the fourth quarter of that game, like you said, most on the last drive. But he did have four red zone targets, and he did drop a touchdown uh, in the earlier in that game, too, that would have... You know, been a second touchdown of the game or his first of two. Uh, you know, this week, I mean, owners are without Charles Clay, who wouldn't have played anyways. I mean, Jimmy Graham is on by, Jason Witten's on by, Travis Kelsey's in concussion protocol. I mean, the position sucks anyways. Uh, so, I mean, Kittle is in that, like, break class in case of emergency this week for options at the tight end position going against the Washington team that has a lot of tight end one in every week of the season, and they've allowed 90.3 receiving yards per game to opposing tight ends, which is the most in the league. Like I said, it's going to feel a little bit like point chasing, but I still think he's an option for teams in need at the position. I can't do it. I just... Yeah, I hear you. It's fine. <laughs> I can't do it. He had 10 catches for 83 yards entering the game. You know, I think someone like like Tyler Higby is safer probably and has, has as much upside. So I, I do think there are options. Interesting. You know, it's funny. AJ Derby is in a very similar yeah. situation to Kittle this week. So it could be... It could be a very interesting week with some surprising names at the top of the leaderboard at tight end, as I think it seems to be every week at this point now. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, we're here every year at tight end at just about this spot. I mean, unless you invested into, I mean, no one's even hit return value except for, you know, Gronk when he's played and then Ertz and Kelsey. Outside of those guys, I mean, there's really outside, I mean, you if you ran into Charles Clay, you were feeling good until he got hurt. But, I mean, there's been no, like, identifiably, like, guy you feel good week to week outside of, like, that small group at the position. Absolutely. It has not not been pretty. All right. Thanks as always, Rich. Um, you can find his worksheet column on rotorworld.com as we speak. As always, you should go and give that a read. You can also find him on Twitter at Lord Reeves. And I will be back with Nick Minzio in just a second. And we are back with Nick Minzio, who writes Stardom and Sidem. Every week at rotoworld.com should be up by the time you listen to this. So make sure you go and give it a read. What's going on, Nick? What's up, Ray? Living the dream, my friend. Looking for a, uh, a better week this week. It, it turned out last week okay for me in DFS because you know Dak Prescott came out and uh, had a massive game. But hoping for better. And I think one guy that's going to feature heavily on my teams is Deshaun Jackson, who had a good game last week against the Patriots. Went over 100 yards for the first time with the Bucks, Do you think he's going to keep it going this week? 
oh man, I, I know you love playing your tournaments in DFS, so this this is the guy for that. Yeah, he's seen at least seven targets in three or four games. Uh, saw six in the other, coming coming off his first hundred yard game, like you said. Uh, nearly busted a long touchdown in the four, fourth quarter. We were we were watching that game together, I believe. And then with with Patrick Peterson very likely to travel all over with Mike Evans. Jackson Jackson should run a ton of routes against burn victim just Justin Bethel. He's the eighth most targeted corner in the league right now. And uh, Pro Football Focus is number 93 cover corner out of like 110 qualifiers, I believe. He's already allowed the fifth most yards and most touchdowns among those qualified corners, and he was burned by Torrey Smith last week for a 59-yard score. Bryce Butler got him in week three for 37-yarder, and Kenny Galladay got him in week one. So I think DJX is in for a, for a big week. A basic fantasy rule is to use the people not being covered by Patrick Peterson whenever they're playing against Arizona. We saw what, you know, you mentioned Smith. Aguilar had his had his big play, a really a really good touchdown. That juke move that he made to, to get in was great. So I think that this is a great call. I'm 100% in, and like you said, he is he's going to be in some tournament lineups for sure. Another guy who I I think that, he was on this list on the wrong side of this list last week, and that was Kyle Rudolph, who for some reason got right back on track, even with you know Case Keenum under center. Do you think he's going to keep it going against the Packers? Yeah, like you said, uh, massive disappointment in the first four weeks, averaging 3.75 targets a game in that span, but came out last week, saw a season-high nine targets, scored his second touchdown, uh, first game post-Dalvin Cook last Monday, so I think... No Dalvin Cook in the lineup is a big benefit for Kyle Rudolph over the middle, short passing game. Uh, Keenum likes to check the ball down a little bit. And then with Stefan Diggs battling that groin injury, suffered around halftime last week, didn't practice on Wednesday. So I don't know, he's looking real iffy for Sunday. But this game could turn into a shootout. Green Bay's handled tight ends pretty well, but Jason Witten had a 861 line against them last week. That's, that's awesome in the PPR. We'll take that all day for 14.1 points. I know the Packers have, have played pretty well against tight ends, but they, they faced Jimmy Graham week one. That offense was completely broken back then. Austin Hooper week two, Tyler Croft week three, Zach Miller week four. So they really haven't seen many tight ends. I, I like Rudolph in this spot for sure. Oh, that's right. You were on the Dalvin Cook's injury being good for him, right? You were on that train. Yeah, right? I was on that train all day, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that was a, turned out to be a great call. And, you know, we... I think that we thought that maybe Sam Bradford would help, but even with Keenum in there, he was doing it. So yeah, I'm with you there for sure. You know, following the big trade on Tuesday, I imagine that every single one of us is going to have to answer a lot of Adrian Peterson questions this week. So so why don't we just get it out of the way here? Are you are you interested in starting him against Tampa Bay? Am I interested in starting Peterson against Tampa Bay? No. Am I interested in picking up Adrian Peterson anywhere he's available? Yes. I mean, he's stepping into a perfect situation. Not we shouldn't say perfect, but much better situation than New Orleans. He's going to get carries in Arizona. They have no running backs whatsoever. Kerwin Williams is a nobody. Chris Johnson just got cut. Andre Ellington doesn't carry the ball. He just catches it. So Peterson's probably locked to see at least 12 to 15 carries a week at a minimum. But this week, I don't like him against the Bucks at all. They're number three, I believe, in run defense DVOA. They're getting back Levante David this week, Quan Alexander this week, uh, TJ Ward's coming back this week. So I just think this game sets up really well for the past games, and obviously this is Peterson's first game with the with a new team, and I just I just don't see it happening between behind this offensive line either. Yeah, I'm not I'm not interested in it at all. You know, averaging three yards per carry behind a better offensive line, going to a bad situation, and, and you mentioned it, a very bad matchup. I I am not sold yet 
that he is going to be better for this offense than Chris Johnson. We'll see what happens, but I'm not even really that excited about, about having him on my roster. So, so we'll see what happens. Finally, let's get to Martavis Bryant, who would, I mean, he'd be the, almost the poster child for disappointment so far this season. And it, it's not health. He's been out there. He's playing the snaps, just hasn't happened. Any chance he turns it around this week against Kansas City? Yeah, I'm not feeling it at all. I know he was on the. We talked about him in this spot exact same time as same time last week against the Jaguars, and I just he didn't do anything in that game either. He the volume was there with eight targets, but Big Ben threw the ball over 50 times, so I'm not not gonna put too much stock in those eight targets since Ben's not gonna be throwing the ball 50 times a week. So uh, Bryant's failed the top 50 yards in four or five games. Has just one touchdown. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is playing more snaps right now. And Bryant runs the majority of his routes at left corners, left cornerbacks, which is where Marcus Peters lines up. I know Peters has, has allowed three touchdowns already, but he's not given up many yards and catches. And the Chiefs have struggled pretty much overall in pass defense, mainly from garbage time last week with DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller and all those guys going off. But I just don't – I'm not seeing it with Bryant right now. It's just, it's just not happening. The year off just – I mean, it's, it took a toll on him apparently and just – He's not finding the groove right now, and I just don't like this spot going into Arrowhead at all. Every week, every Friday or Saturday, I'm looking at my ranks, and I find myself bumping him up because I'm thinking, well, what if Bryant does you know, what we expect Bryant to do? And it hasn't happened yet. And so we'll, we'll see what happens. There's always a chance that he has a Martavis Bryant game, but you're right. It just not much looks good there right now. Thanks as always, Nick. Remember, you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Benzio. You can also follow Rich at Lord Reeves. You can follow me at RM Summerlin. Also, do not forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you find it. And we will be back to talk to you next week. field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.